It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Z92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. The millennial man is Jared Patel of Valley Sports Detroit. Comments and questions can be sent by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Follow Three Point Podcast on social media at Three Point Pod. The fellows will get in rolling right after this from our partners. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is Shiawassee County's only licensed mortgage broker, lender, and servicer. That means you get exclusive products not found anywhere else. If you are looking to purchase a home or refinance a home in Florida, Hawaii, or Michigan, stop what you're doing and give Success Group Mortgage and Servicing a call. 989-720-4380. That's 989-720-4380. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to episode 184 of the Three Point Podcast. I'm Ted Fattel of Z92.5 in Sportsnet, Michigan, with ESPN's Matt Burns on the phone from North Carolina and Jared Fattel of Bally Sports Detroit also on the phone. Well, Michigan and MSU look to be on a collision course for a Halloween Eve showdown. The Lions, an Aaron Rodgers slump breaker, and we'll talk Corona Sports Hall of Fame with AD Jason Beldiga a little later on. Our Hall of Famers include Advanced Elevator, the ALS Association, JJ's Excavating and Tree Services, Kendall Drugs, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5 The Castle. Well, as I mentioned, you know, we're going to be catching up with Jason Beldiga a little later on and talk about the Corona Hall of Fame. But uh, what a great, great uh, idea they've come up with. I mean, it's nothing new. A lot of high schools have athletic Hall of Fames. But this year's inductees, man, it's a, it's a special list. No, and obviously we're all proud Cavaliers. So, you know, looking at these names, you know, Frank Davis, Dave Robertson, and then all the, the teams that are making it, we, we remember them. But it's definitely one of those, when I look at all the events that are going on, and thinking about, you know, local people and the community getting together. It's one of those that I almost want to be like, I'm going to just fly up for the weekend. Like, <laughs> I, it, it would be really cool to be there. So I know, Jared, you might have to work, and, Ted, you're, you're going to be calling the game, but right. it would be a cool event to be at. No, it is awesome. I mean, one day, I, I say, guys, I think I might. Well, that's 2004 uh, football or basketball team probably has a decent shot of getting in, I would imagine. I mean, I don't know how they wouldn't. Probably the best bas- second-best basketball team in Corona history. But besides that, I would say I pro- my team probably has the best chance of one day being in that uh, honorable uh, <laughs> Hall of Fame. What do you guys think? Spoken as a humble young man, yeah. I was going to say. <laughs> no, I, actually, I was going to bring up, so I, I think we, we kind of <laughs> saw the – the ballots, I guess, and I was looking at, you know, there were the some of the 60s and 70s football teams, those mid-90s football teams, you know, the legendary football teams at Corona, 
And I, I was wondering. I, I didn't see the 2002 my my the last team that went nine and zero. I was I was wondering when they were going to make the ballot that 2002 team. And then our basketball team, like you said, Jared. I mean, we went to the Final Four, so I would think we would at least be up for it at some point. But who knows? We'll we'll see. It, it would be cool to even be nominated. But Ted, I know you know like the whole list, the whole history of Corona teams that are getting in so it must be cool for you to be involved in oh yeah i love it and one thing i do know our 1972 basketball squad has no chance to make it ever i can tell you that <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but no it, 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 i actually went to this event very first time they had it two years ago and it is awesome i mean a Wasso country club great golf course great spot for it and it's just something that is long overdue uh in corona athletics and i'm glad that we finally do have like an official hall of fame yeah and you know we talked off record too uh, about uh Corona's coach, Dave Robertson, who's going to be inducted. And if you just look at his numbers, just unbelievable. 636, 134, and 5. I mean, that's astounding. He's already a member of the Michigan, the MHSAA Wrestling Coaches Hall of Fame. Uh, Well-deserved and could have easily been a first-year member. Without a doubt. Just an absolute, I mean, legend. I mean, it's him and Nick Anise, in, in my opinion, as the two, 1A and 1B, as the two best coaches in, in Corona history, uh, without a doubt. But I remember when I was a kid, like, I used to, he used to, like, I'd be there watching basketball practice with my dad, like, just sitting on the side, like, sucking on my thumb or something. And he would he'd grab a towel and have me do, like, towel runs in the gym, like, with the towel on the ground. Like, it was horrible. Oh, the, the, the towel laps, those are legendary. My friends, because, I, I mean, I, a ton of my good friends wrestled. So they, and I mean, I mean I'm good friends with one of Dave's sons, Kyle. So I, I know all about the, the wrestling program and all that kind of stuff. But those towel laps, those are legendary. Yeah, we'd be there practicing basketball. And, I mean, your dad, Jared, he would, he would run us. We, we would definitely have to do a lot of conditioning. But when we, when we would see the wrestlers doing those towel laps, we were like, all right, I, I, we're cool. We'll do whatever you got You tell us to do, coach, as long as we don't have to do those towel laps. <laughs> well, you know, we're a we're a generational podcast for sure. Before we go to our normal catch up segment, I know Jared, you're a big fan of, as you call him, Pistol Pete Hornus, a member of that '76 team. Yeah, he is. I mean, I, in in my opinion, there is not. A, I mean, he's a he's a Shiawassee County celebrity. He really is. <laughs> Everyone knows him. Everyone loves him. Uh, obviously, he was a hell of a hell of a football player back in the day. He was. Uh, so yeah, it, it, I mean, he was definitely the centerpiece of that 1976 team. That if you're a Corona person, you hear about that 76 team basically every time you're about to suit up in August for two days. Like, oh, the 76 team did this. 76 team did that. And Pete Hornis was at the was at the heart of it. Yeah, you know, and they were. He was fre- that that class was uh, I think freshman when I when I played you know as a senior and I remember seeing some of their practices and a couple of their games and you could tell that team was a special team and then you know when they did get up to be seniors in that '76 season I, I watched every single game and they were they were head and shoulders the best team in that class and it was just unfortunate they didn't get a chance to make it in the playoffs because of the point system back in that time. It's, it, I know we've talked about it before, but it is just so crazy that that's how they did things. I know it's just how it was back then, but I, I, it's got to still almost they, – they've probably moved on. I'm sure they've moved on. But I almost feel like it, there would still be like a little punch in the gut that the, play, the point system is what held that team out because from all the stories that you hear, that was definitely like a state championship caliber team. So it's just crazy to think about. Matt, I can assure you they have not moved on. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's funny is, but isn't it depressing that our like hanging achievement for our football team, our football program, is that our best team like 
didn't even play a postseason game. Right. Kind of depressing when you really think about it. I mean, there was a lot of legendary stuff in that end of season, too. I mean, they're trying to put pull together a matchup against Okemos. They were going to drop their last opponent and play Okemos so, you know, they could get in the playoffs. Okemos said, no way. You know, we're in the playoffs. You're not. Ha ha. And that just, just <laughs> one of the why stories. Why would they ever do that? No kidding. I mean, but there's, there's still many uh, of that team bitter about that. And I'm thinking the same thing, Jared. I'm like, why on earth would you ever do that? Oh, well. But I'll tell you one thing. Let's move on. Uh, big Hall of Fame weekend coming up this weekend over at Corona. But, uh, you know, you had you told us a little bit about your car troubles and you had a gas line replaced. And from what I understand, uh, now you have a lifetime warranty on that? Or is there something else with the story? Okay. Long story short on the car accident, because what's actually the more entertaining part of this is what happens after so I was in a crash, uh, rear-ended somebody on the highway on my way to work, literally about 500 feet from my work. That's the most depressing part of this entire story. Oh. Car got totaled. So since this whole time, and it's just been a total cluster. I mean, you guys realize how much you take for granted just the idea of having a car. It is literally how you live. It is how you feed your family. You don't realize it until you don't have one. Uh, but I'm in the process now of buy, buying a used car. And let me just say... The amount of hoops you have to jump through to purchase a car, I'm going through the bank, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I'm, like, this has been a whole week ordeal, a new problem arising every single day. And I am just so sick of this process. I'm literally at the point, I have like the amount of money it would take to buy this car in the bank. But I'm doing, uh, like, this loan, essentially, just so I can build my uh, 401k, no, luxury short. And I'm, like, just at this point, I'm just, like, dude, I'm, like, one second away from just pulling all that cash out and paying for this car in straight cash. Because it is the most annoying process I've ever dealt with in my entire life. Being an adult is maybe the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah, it's not all it's cracked up to be, is it? <laughs> no. It's like, have you guys, I mean, am I, like, crazy that it's, like, it seems like this should be so simple. It's like, I mean, it's it's $150 a month payment, and you would think I'm, like, signing up to pay for a Maserati. Like, I just, like, it's, like, it just boggles my mind. Like, just take my word. I could pay this. It's, I, yeah. Like, just, it's annoying. Well, they don't do that. That's unfortunate. I but but uh, I have a question. Now, you have, like, 50% down, and you're still having a hard time getting a loan? I know. Believe me. It, well, it, you. I mean, Matt, you probably understand this. Uh, it, like, with my job, it's so sporadic with my paychecks and my pay because I'm doing, like, three or four different jobs. Right. And so my paychecks vary, like, a lot between weeks. And they just can't quite wrap their head around that. So I'm, like, having to draw up these, like, yearly projections for how much I'm going to be making, <laughs> this or that, and, like, it's just like, what is going on here? This is way overboard. I mean, just have a little bit of common sense. Like, clearly, I got, like, my ducks in a row. I think I'm going to be able to make these $150 a month payments on this used car. But they don't do it that way. I mean, I get why they do, because clearly they've been burned a time or two. But, God, like I said, I'm just ready to just have this thing be over with. Well, this surprises me a little bit, because I was talking with your mom and dad on Sunday at breakfast, and uh, I, I was assuming this would be a done deal by now. So you've run into some nightmare because we're recording this Tuesday evening. It's still not a done deal? No. Well, I mean, it's like I have the car. I We've already given them the, the down payment, and I have a buyer's agreement and all this, but it's just not 100% official yet. Gotcha. Now I'm in the bank. I'm, out, I'm dealing with the bank now and doing this loan. <laughs> and it's just it's just... I don't know how you guys have done 
I just say, it, it, stay off the Red Bull, man. You're worked up. Calm down. Relax. <laughs> it's, been, it's been building up. I mean, if you can't tell. It, it's like I can't yell at the, you know, at the car dealership <laughs> or at the bank because, obviously, that wouldn't look good. But that's just like that's what's been brewing inside my brain while I'm sitting through these hour-long sit-downs at this dealership, at this cubicle, going through the details. And I'm just like, I just want to shake them. Like, come on. <laughs> Yeah, you realize quickly, you know, like when you're younger and it's all about, like, you want to grow up. I can't wait to be out of this house, you know, all that stupid stuff that you say. When you get to that point and you have to go through all these hoops just to buy a car, just to buy a house or do all this other stuff, you're talking about 401Ks and Ted getting ready for retirement, all this other kind of stuff. Yeah, it, it sure is a lot easier when you just live under your parents' roof. <laughs> Absolutely. And and just final word of advice, definitely don't dip into your 401K, for God's sakes. Let that baby keep growing. I know, but, dude, I mean, listen, you haven't lived my life these last week. Well, check with me. I'll float you alone if you need it, buddy. <laughs> keep that 401K. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the oh, Uncle yeah. Ted, Uncle Ted's bank that the loan is going to have seventy five percent interest on it. <laughs> That's right. Uh, by the way, the three point <laughs> podcast bank for Jared's tapped out. <laughs> yeah, I had, to, I had to clear that out. Clear out the <laughs> clear out the old three point pod savings. Sorry about that. <laughs> no worries at all. Anything else, boys? We want to get into uh, as far as catch up before we move into college and pro football. I th- oh, I, I mean, did you guys have a better week than I did? I hope. My my week was real real good compared to yours. I mean, I'm just kind of enjoying your recap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, luckily that that is one thing that you find out quickly. Like when you have, I mean, basically what you're saying when you have a commute to work or school or you know whatever you're doing, how reliant you are on your car. I mean, I do have some friends who lived in like New York City and Washington D.C. Uh, in L.A. and they they do public transportation. Like a couple of my friends don't even have cars. They just you know bus, subway. Uber now, you know, do all that kind of stuff. But if you don't do that and all of a sudden, you know, your car's out or your car's in the shop for a couple days or, you know, hopefully it doesn't happen, but, like, you have an accident like what you went through, Jared, and you you are, you're almost, like, lost. You're almost like you're like a kid who forgot how to walk or something because you're like, I don't know what to do. i got to call my friends for rides to work and, you know, all this other kind of stuff. So it's kind of crazy when you have to go through that. But luckily, like, one thing my wife and I talk about, we're, we're getting to the point now with this, with our second kid coming, that we're going to, we need more space. We need a bigger place to live. And right now we both live a, about a five-minute commute to both of our jobs, and our daughter's school is about a mile away. Her, her daycare was just like a mile or two away. Everything we do um, you know, because we live in, in Charlotte, in South Charlotte, everything we do, all the stores, restaurants, you know, gas stations, mechanics, you know, everything is within a three, four, maybe five, six mile radius. And we're talking about, like, do we want to stay here? Because this sure is nice. Like, I can leave 10 minutes before my shift starts, and sometimes I'm, like, early. Or do we want to kind of get outside yeah. the city wow. and have that 20 to 30-minute commute to work? No. You know, we're starting to weigh no, that no, kind no. of stuff. Matt, I, I want to, you know, in, like, uh, Billy Madison, when he grabs the, like, packet and shakes them and goes, like, cherish it as long <laughs> as you can, that's what I want to yeah. do to you. As somebody who's commuting, you know, 30, 35 minutes every day to work with traffic, uh, oh, my God. Count your blessings, man. What, what are you talking about? Moving. Honestly, what are you talking about? Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely on the side of this the short commute and everything. All of our conveniences being right here, sure is nice. But it's man, it's 
so congested. It's so busy, the traffic. I mean, we're in, we're in a city. Like, it's yeah. just so busy. And I'm used to, I grew up in Corona. I grew up in Owasso where, like, everyone has space. So, you know, we're kind of starting to think about that. But this is the adult stuff that I guess you have to go through. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of unfortunate for, for a guy like Jared, right? I mean, he's done things the right way. I'll give him a little credit here. I mean, he, he took college courses when he was still in high school. You had, what, one or two years of college under your belt before you actually moved on to the university? And, uh, you know, you've always stayed on top of your bills. You haven't really had to have a lot of credit. And that's the problem now, right? You don't have, a, you don't, yeah. you don't have any credit. Well, I was just in the I was just in the midst of actually telling my mom maybe a week ago, like, hey, I should probably get a credit card so I can you know start building my credit, and then this drops in my lap, essentially uh, a nightmare where I have to pay credit now. Yeah. It's not like a, oh yeah, I'm just gonna pay off you know my gas bills every week with uh, a credit card. No, I'm I'm dropping 150 bucks every single month into a car. Gosh, I'm just wondering. I mean, could you get a credit card with enough money on it to cover the remainder of the loan and just make a credit card payment every month? Has that been talked about? Uh, listen, I'm too far down the rabbit hole to do this okay. the way, the way I'm doing it now. <laughs> All right, fair okay. enough. That's what I mean. It's something like that that has made this a lot. Because I was, I was at the, literally the final stages, and then the dealership says, you know, you should go through the bank. You can get a better this or that. And now I'm restarting the entire thing. Oh. I'm at right now. All right. Well, hang in there, young man. I can't wait to hear how it works out. Uh, before we move on to talk college football, there is one thing I want to talk about. I don't know if you had a chance to uh, see it. This would be a, like a normal entertainment uh, segment, but we talked about it last week with the 30 for 30, Once Upon a Time in Queens, and Matt set it up perfectly on his thoughts. I think he had seen two episodes at that time. I binge-watched all four of them, and... I couldn't give it any higher praise either. It's one of the best, it by far is the best baseball documentary I've ever seen and one of the best documentaries ever. This this 1986 bunch, it's just so hard to describe and what a wild team it was and what a true team. It's it's really well done. And, and Matt, you didn't talk about it last week, which I forgot about. It's a Jimmy Kimmel, Cousin Sal production. So Yeah, I, I, I forgot about that too, so... So that, that it's cool to see that they're dipping their toes into that, but but yeah, I, I was gonna, I was very curious to hear your thoughts because, like I said last week, I mean that was in the prime of your sports sports guy career, without a you doubt. know, like during the, the mid '80s, obviously when the Tigers won the World Series in '84, but then this Mets team, I mean, it must have been the biggest story, whether you were in New York or Michigan, but but yeah, so I did finally see the other two episodes. I've seen all four, and it did not tail off if anything it got better as the episodes went on so yeah i'm glad to hear that you enjoyed it as well oh loved it i'd give it more than three stars if i could and uh who who do you think was the star of it because you know they had strawberry and gooden and hernandez but man lenny dykstra that dude is (laughs) he's unbelievable yeah, I mean, if you're looking for just like the sheer entertainment, probably Lenny Dykstra. Honestly, the the manager, the Davy Johnson stories were fantastic. Like hearing this isn't spoiler alert stuff, but when they destroyed the plane, oh. and the management came in the clubhouse, gave him a bill for the plane, and he basically said, "F you, we're about to win you a World Series," and ripped it up. He did. Those kind of stories are just amazing. And yeah, Jared, I don't know if you've had a chance to watch it. You've been no, pretty busy with your mo- trying to fix your moped, but I mean, you you gotta. Fire it up and watch these four episodes. I mean, it's it's well worth the watch. Yep. It does sound like it. And, I mean, the name alone, it, 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 I'm in on it. Once upon a time in Queens. That's all I needed, that's all I needed to hear. I'm in. And, and the one thing, 
I was gonna, sorry, oh. Matt. The one thing you did bring up last week a little bit that I really got into was the the soundtrack. It was tremendous. Oh, that, that's what I was just going to ask you. With, with the video and obviously reliving the baseball, the stories, but then the music and everything, did you feel like you were like plugged back into the mid the mid 80s? You were going to Ristos and going to Jumbos in downtown Owasso, <laughs> living it up? Yeah, and then there was some there was some tunes there that, as, as Jared would say, were bangers. Like, I didn't even know what these songs were. Like, I don't know if it was LL Cool J or or what it was, but there were some songs in there I'd never heard before that were that just gripped me, and I'm I'm actually googling them to see what they are and who who the singers were. It was great. Yeah, yeah, and even even though you you knew, I mean, if you know the story, you know, with the Bill Buckner game and all that, oh, yeah. if you know you knew how the the series was going to play out. I don't know if, if it was the same for you, Ted, but. Again, even though I knew what was coming, I was still like on the edge of my seat and getting goosebumps with the crowd and hearing them talk about that play and Mookie Wilson fouling the ball off 15 times before the actual hit. Right. Like all of it. It's just, it was really well done. I'm going to be watching it again soon. Yep, so am I. That's one of the rare shows that I'm going to rewatch the entire thing soon. Very good. All right, fellas, we got some other big stuff to get into here. This will be probably a little longer podcast than we've had recently, but we're going to talk some Michigan, some Michigan State, some college football coming up next, right after this. Kendall Drugs in Corona are there for you. They take special care of all patients because they could be your mother, father, sibling, aunt, uncle, niece, or nephew standing at the counter. Centrally located in the heart of Shiawassee County, right across from the courthouse. No insurance? No problem. Come on in and talk with Patrick Kendall, and he'll be happy to work with you and is very competitive on prices with no gouging. Now taking new patients and prescription transfers. Stop in Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. till 5 p.m. at Kendall Drugs in Corona, or give them a call at 989-720-4295. JJ's Excavating and Tree Services can help you with many homeowner items including skid steer work, footings, and gravel work along with property maintenance. JJ's Excavating and Tree Service also experts in tree removals including stump grinding. Fully insured, no job too big or too small. Call Kyle Jones of JJ's at 989-277-9059 to set up a free estimate and tell him 3 Point Podcast sent you. I called it, I called it. I called it. Fourth uh, <laughs> season even started. I circled the schedules of both Michigan and Michigan State, and I said, uh, whether or not these teams are good or not, and it seems like both of them are damn good teams, we are headed for what will be a very hyped Michigan versus Michigan State game because the way the schedules aligned was just too lack, like too very low. Like if the strength of schedule was a grade, they, theirs were theirs were D's for the first like six seven weeks of the season. Uh, and it's just looking like we're, we are about to get one hell of a matchup come Halloween Eve, uh, and I just can't wait for it. Yeah, I mean, I'm no, I don't know if I'm going to go that far and say there was a D, like preseason, because, you know, Miami was ranked preseason. People thought, you know, the U was back. Washington was ranked preseason. Obviously, Michigan still has Wisconsin in a couple weeks. So there are still some tough games, but the way that you're setting it up, if, I mean, Michigan and Michigan State right now, they're, they both moved into the top 25. They're both playing fantastic football. I mean, they're just running the hell out of the ball, both teams. But if they can make it through to that game you're talking about and both be uh, undefeated going into that Halloween Eve game, it might be the most hyped Michigan-Michigan State game ever. Like, it really might be the, if it works out that way. It might still be. But if they're both undefeated, they'll probably both be top 15, you know, if it, if it works out that way, a top 15 Michigan-Michigan State matchup on Halloween Eve. 
um, at Spartan Stadium, at the woodshed, as Mel Tucker's starting to call it. It would be incredible, but that's a ways away. <laughs> it's a ways away. Michigan this weekend, they, they have Rutgers. Rutgers is coming to the big house. Rutgers is undefeated. Greg Schiano is back coaching there. He, he's turned Rutgers around. It's not the Rutgers program that Michigan beat 78-0. to zero. That's going to be a it's going to be a tough game. I'm curious to see Michigan, you know, now in the Big Ten play, see how they show up on Saturday. Well, Rutgers better know how to tackle running backs because I think Harbs is going to run it down their throat or at least try to. <laughs> I mean, and it's isn't it cool? You know, we got we got Harbs back and you know Tuck coming. I mean, you can't help but look ahead. At least we can't help but look ahead. But, yeah, I think Rutgers could give them a pretty good matchup for a while at the stadium. I don't know if it's going to be on Jared's uh, lock of the week. What do you think, young man? I, I don't know. I, to be honest, I'm so ice cold that you guys should not be even asking me for advice. I mean, once Eastern lost uh, when the spread was uh, 26 points and they ended up losing by 27, <laughs> I mean, pretty much since then I've been in just a horrible season slump. So you don't want to come to me for advice. Well, what do you think about okay. Michigan? Did you watch the game uh, last week, or did you just lock it in to MSU-Miami? No, I mean, I was flipping back and forth. It's hard to, with these, I mean, it's kind of a, the ultimate lose-lose where if we don't blow them out, we act like it's the end of the world, and if right. we do blow them out, we act like it's expected. So there's really no way for Michigan to, to win in that scenario, but they look damn good. I mean, people are, I know that we kind of were laughing and going back and forth about how they don't have a passing game. It does seem to be a little bit of a problem, and you can't say they have a passing game just because they aired it out at NIU. But, hey, I, I don't have a problem if we don't have a passing game if we are just cramming it down everyone's throats like we, we have done so far this season. I'm loving this rushing attack. I'm absolutely loving it. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, I, I've talked to my friends a little bit, too, and, and I know we've talked about it on here that, you know, being a little skeptical of the passing game, like you just said, they, they showed that McNamara can throw. It was against Northern Illinois. So maybe you take it for what it is, but you know they showed they can't pass the ball. But if the identity of the team is to be a power run team with with the two headed, you know, with with Corum and Haskins, and then even the freshman Donovan Edwards coming in for like two or three carries here and there. At first, at the beginning of the season, you know, after the first couple of games, I was kind of like, ah, you know, I, I want to see more passing. But if the identity of the team is we're just going to pound the hell out of the ball and we're going to rush it down your throat and we're going to rush for 250 yards and then we're going to use that to set up the pass and we're just going to rely on our quarterback, Kate McNamara, not to turn the ball over, not to make stupid plays, just make the throws when you're supposed to, take the deep shots when they're there. That, that's When you have a guy like Blake Corum, as we've been hyping up, that might be a recipe for some good success because I don't think we've seen a running back like him at Michigan in 20 years, probably since Mike Hart. So, I mean, you know, yes, you do want to see some crazy throwing it 40 times like your Mike Leach's offense, but you know what? If this is what Michigan's going to roll with, maybe that's a good thing. Oh, I 100% agree. I mean, I love it, and you you broke it down perfectly. If they can keep this, keep it going like this against even the better teams, hell yes, I'm all in. I, I, I love it. So let me ask you guys that. Do you think that we're going to be able to do that against MSU? I guess that's the thing, because even, not even MSU, like, I mean, Rutgers' defense is pretty solid, but even the the big test, I think, to me, uh, and I don't know if you were kind of getting to this, but Rutgers is going to be a solid test, but if Michigan wins this weekend and then they go to Wisconsin and win, that's when the Kool-Aid's really going to start going down the hatch. You know, like, if they they start off with a, a solid win against Rutgers and then they keep that run offense going at Camp Randall, you know, against Wisconsin, that's when the excitement's really going to start to build, because... 
Wisconsin's defense is always strong. So if you can do it against them, I think you can do it against anyone in the Big Ten. Yep. You know, and a lot of people really, it's not a huge surprise to see Michigan bouncing back, but man, you got to give some big credit for the guys down the road in East Lansing. I mean, what in the hell was Wake Forest thinking, you know, not featuring Kenny Walker and letting him get away? It wasn't Matt, and I'm going to – or no, it actually wasn't. It was not Matt that favored this tweet. It was blue by 90. Some guy tweeted, I don't even know who he was, some Michigan fan, essentially saying that Kenneth Walker wouldn't play if he was in Michigan's backfield. One, I, I guess I can understand, like, where they're coming from, but how do you not think that Ken- – Kenneth Walker rushed for 260 yards against a Big Ten opponent. Blake Corum has been good, but he's doing this against NIU. I mean, it's just not even the same boat. Until Blake Corum does this on a big stage, like against the Rutgers, I mean, Washington, say what you will about them, we're, I'm still undecided whether or not that was a good team. Until Blake Corum does that against a legit Big Ten defense and opponent, you can't say that Kenneth Walker is not the best of the bunch of, of, between him, Corum, and Haskins. I mean, that's an interesting debate. Who do you guys think has the best running back? Yeah, I mean, it's tough not I, – I would, you know, as a fan, I would say probably Blake Corum, but basically everything you laid out, where it's at right now, it'd be hard not to lean Kenneth Walker just because of how he's carried that offense. But I just – like watching Corum, to me, like he just seems like a little more versatile. He catches some pass out of the backfield. He's very shifty. You know, he's making guys miss. He's fast. But, I mean, you, you can't go wrong with any of them. Because even Hassan Haskins, he's kind of getting, like, pushed aside a little bit. But he's, he's really good, too. So, right now, you can't go wrong with any of those guys. Yeah, I mean, and Walker has played against a little better competition. So, I, I get what you're saying there, Jared. I don't know. I just love Blake Corum. I just love the number two and how quick he is. I'm hoping he stays healthy. But he seems pretty solid. But back to Michigan State for a minute. You know, they're getting a lot of love nationally, and, and rightfully so. I mean, this team may be the comeback team this season. I mean, where they're at right now with the, the transfer portal, what Tucker has done bringing in new faces. I mean, Spartans aren't missing a beat. You know, D'Antonio had a tough last year, but uh, Tucker has the program, it seems like, right where D'Antonio did in his prime. No, and it, it seems like it. it... Even though he brought in basically a completely new staff, and we've we've talked with like Joey Janka, you know, friend of the podcast, talking about like a whole new mindset. Tucker had to come in and basically kind of change the culture in a sense. But you you almost still see that like chip on the shoulder culture, even with this team, that like you don't see with every other team. And you know, just think about like Michigan or other teams. You don't see this like disrespect card all the time. And you know. Tucker has kind of carried that over that, that, like I saw fans, it's like right now Michigan's ranked number 19 and Michigan State's number 20, and people are like, so even now people are still ranking Michigan ahead of Michigan <laughs> State, even after Michigan State just went down to Miami and, and beat uh, the Hurricanes. And it's like they just they always have this like this like hard-ass like mindset with them that like even if it's just a bunch of two and three stars, they're still going to like, they're still going to fight the hell out of you, and they're going to play harder than anyone you know in, in the country. And Tucker's carried that over, so I, I I don't know. They they should be undefeated going to the Michigan game, I think. Mm-hmm. And I do like the fact that in that game, you know, Tucker could have played it conservative, could have kept it on the ground late, but came up with a big pass to basically go for the jugular and and put the game away. I love coaches 
that come up with plays like that and have the balls to call them. Because it feels like D'Antonio would have went conservative, right? Possibly, but I mean, he had he had some plays. You know, he had the fake field goals and stuff. He, he wasn't that conservative. Right. No, you're right. Um, I will tell you guys, you'll laugh at this. You know, and I there was somebody, Matt, you had retweeted it about uh, being uh, being a. a Media, social media silent if you want to watch a game on the DVR, right? Um, right. Saturday, both Michigan State and Michigan were noon kickoffs. Oh, I was in heaven. I figured out the best way to watch both games. I watched the Michigan State game live, and every time it went to a commercial, I had the I had the Michigan game on DVR and zip, zip, zip each play, zip between each play. <laughs> I watched both games in their entirety at the like, same time. I need like a a video of you setting up your DVR like every week, like a a step-by-step tutorial for (laughs) DVR owners on the best way to maximize your college football Saturdays. I think we need that. I I picture it like just, you know, because of who you guys are, I picture, you know, Jared, your dad was my basketball coach in high school, (laughs) and he always drew up like just fantastic scouting reports before we would play a team. Like we'd have a huge breakdown. And knowing how Ted lays out his football schedule in the fall, I see him every like Saturday morning going down to that basement, and he's got like spreadsheets and he's got, like, how much space is left on his DVR, the stuff he's already yeah. watched so he can delete it, the stuff that he has to save because he hasn't gotten to it yet, and he's got his coffee sitting next to him. It's probably, like, a whole ordeal. <laughs> Matt, I'll tell you what. Matt, here's what it is. When you work at home, and I, I did that when I, was, when I first went to college, I was able to work, uh, like, from my dorm room. You find ways to waste your time. Like, something, he probably has a set, like, set schedule every, like, Wednesday night or Wednesday morning. He goes to his DVR and records everything he needs to for the weekend. Am I wrong, or is that probably what you do? You're pretty close. I've done that before. I'll, I'll do that when I'm going on a trip or vacation. No, now my routine is every morning when I have my first cup of coffee, I, I set the DVR for what I'm going to see that night. But, you know, I, I really I kind of agree with you guys. I am pretty organized when it comes to that. I think I could uh, probably teach a class at Baker College. <laughs> I might have to look into that. <laughs> but I'm not joking, boys. I watched every play of both those games, and 3.30, they were both over, baby. I was on to the next game, so it was awesome. All right. I tell you what, that's impressive as hell. That is smart. I got to tip my cap to you Wait, when you deserve it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Anything and, else? And with and with how you set up your – we do our, our post-game instant analysis <laughs> you know, after Michigan-Michigan State – Jared wants to tip his cap to how you set up your shot, too, right? <laughs> he he credited me to Spielberg. I mean, what, in, what a shot. It was, it, like I said, if there's any listeners haven't seen this, you need to go watch the instant reaction. Because when I say that the framing of Ted's video was something out of, like, a Steven Spielberg film, it really was. You had, like, the... You had the lake behind you. You had the trees behind the lake. You had the trees in the foreground. You had the table to behind you to the right. It was like perfectly like five different like layers uh, to the video. It was awesome. I ain't gonna lie. I kind of enjoy putting those videos together. I do. I, I'm not gonna kid you. <laughs> now it's got to be like a, now you got to do something like that every week though. That's the only thing that sucks about it. Oh, the pressure's on. Well, I'll see what I can come up with. I wasn't sure if we were doing one on the Lions last night or not. I actually. You guys got to be proud of me for this. I stayed awake for the whole game. And uh, oh. and by the way, I'm uh, one more time, Monday night is Manning night football for me. I'm not watching I'm not watching the regular broadcast. I, I'm sorry. Those guys are very good, but I am locked into the Mannings. Yeah, no, I I, I definitely I, I started on the regular broadcast last night. 
um, of the Lions-Packers game just because I, w- I wanted to hear those guys. I, I like them. I've said mm-hmm. it before. Yep. But I definitely about mid, mid to end of the first quarter, I was like, all right, I got to flip over and see what Peyton and Eli are up to. And that's where I stayed the rest of the game, especially because it turned out a blowout. Right. And I was more interested in listening to them and Pat McAfee and all that. But, no, it, it's it's so good. that what What they came up with, you said it, Ted, ESPN, I think, landed on a gold mine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and all they have to do is work out a few glitches, like talking over each other. It'd be so much better if they were in, you know, if they rotated going to each other's basement and man cave. You know what I mean? So they could be sitting there on the couch together. I think that would be better. Yeah. But I'm sure logistics but you can't. Well, I mean, Ted, I don't know. I think it's maybe just because of how old you are. I think that they, that Peyton Manning saying, "Listen, I'm not, I'm not flying to these things. If you want me to do this, I'm doing this my way." I'm just gonna do it right from my living room. So okay. just take, like, just stop saying like I wish they were at the game because I was thinking the same thing at first. But you just gotta appreciate that at least we have Peyton Manning doing these games in some form. If he's not gonna be in the booth as a as a color guy, this is the next best thing. I can't argue with you on that, but I mean I also can wish for something even a little bit better. You know, I know it's not gonna happen, but that's just a little critique. That's all. It'll even. Yeah, I, I, I would be curious if they end up changing that. I did see the the numbers came out, the ratings, yeah. and from week one to week two, the the numbers a little bit more than doubled on the Peyton Manning, Eli Manning broadcast. So wow. I think I think the rest of the country is catching on too to that. Wow. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that game and maybe the Detroit Lions. But first, take a close listen to this. Advanced Elevator Company have the very best trained professional field technicians and project management team for installations, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest. Centrally located with world headquarters in the heart of Owasso, Michigan, the Jankas are longtime huge supporters of the Corona Public Schools and, might I add, just local legends in general. Advanced Elevator Company, area business leaders, and a longtime member of the Shiawassee Regional Chamber of Commerce. Great news to report. Sheridan Realty and Auction Company has built a new 7,500-square-foot warehouse in Owasso. Now we are able to take all of your items and put it underneath one roof. Whether you are able to bring us a vehicle, an ATV, furniture, it goes inside. Go to SheridanAuctionService.com to see more. More importantly, stop down and see us at 1007 South Washington Street. You'll do better with Sheridan. All right, guys, Monday night football, like we said, Manning night football, but uh, the Lions went to Lambeau, actually played a pretty good first half and was was leading 17-14, but then the roof fell in. Uh, To be expected, I guess, Aaron Rodgers did bounce back with a solid game. Yeah, I mean, I think the best thing the Lions did all night was wear those those sweet white on white uniforms. Mm-hmm. Those were incredible. I mean, can we just what a why? It's such an obvious thing for the Lions to wear all white. I I guess I never like I always thought that that's something they had done before. I don't know. It never clicked in my head. Like it just seems like that's like when I envisioned Barry Sanders, that's like what I pictured him wearing. And it it was long overdue. I'm glad they finally did it. But yet again, we were reminded just how bad this team really is. And I just, I don't know how you, Ted, the fact that you watched the entire game, once they went down three or four scores, like, I, I was out. I, as soon as you felt the tide turn and Aaron Rodgers was just doing whatever he wanted on the field, I, I, can't, I can't stand to watch that shit. I was out. Yeah, well, again, it goes back to the Manning broadcast because Pat McAfee stayed there right till the end. I mean, it was he was hilarious, man. He had some great stories. But... I'm not going to be all doom and gloom. You know, we've talked about it before. We all know it. This is a crap team. They have major holes. They do have some bright spots. Hawkinson looks good. 
I mean, he does not look like a wasted number one pick, right? I mean, he looks like he's going to be moving into the next category, the Gronkowskis, the guy from uh, Kansas City. He's right there ready to step up. Uh, the offensive line, very good offensive line. Jared Goff, he's a, he's a decent quarterback. I mean, he's, he can definitely run that team in the interim till they can get a, a long-term quarterback. Now, the glaring the glaring holes, and we've talked about it before, that defense is just pitiful. I mean, they can't cover anybody. I mean, you know, the linebackers, they got to make some changes. And, you know, I don't know if it's just the Lion fan in me, but when they're in a big game, you know, national televised game, it does seem like, and it didn't have any bearing on the game itself, that they were going to lose anyway. But, man, they get some bad calls against them. They, they do sometimes seem to get the benefit of doubt. And we, we've could go on Twitter or wherever and find a long list of the the calls that went against the Lions. But sometimes I feel like they they put themselves in that position. Mm-hmm. Like if if they weren't the Lions, if they weren't putting themselves in that position, the refs wouldn't be there to make those calls. So sometimes I just think about that. But yeah, you you laid it out perfectly. The, the offensive line is legit. We talked about it the last couple of weeks. Like maybe that would be something going forward. You can definitely hang your hat on with this team. The offensive line is good. It helped the run game. Jared Goff did have a ton of time to throw, yeah. especially in that first half. But, you know, I think, like like we've said before, too, Jared Goff, he is who he is. He, he's a solid, serviceable quarterback, but he's not necessarily like your quarterback of the future. He'll, he'll get you through. He's a Band-Aid or whatever. But that defense, I don't even know, like, where you start. Like, you, you got to hope to pick up a couple vet, you know, free agent. You can't just draft a whole new defense. So you're going to have to sign some guys, hope that some of these young guys come on. I mean, it was against Aaron Rodgers, you know, one of the best quarterbacks ever. So, of course, he's going to figure it out. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. The offense, like, I feel like the offense could be good enough to win some games, but that defense is atrocious. There's not one name on that starting defense that I would keep. I mean, there's just nobody. There's nobody with star power. I mean, if you go back to Okuda, he still maybe could have developed, even though he was a wasted number one choice. But there's nobody on that defense that is ever going to be all pro. No, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, it's great that we have this offensive line. Man, that would have been nice to have when we had a Hall of Fame quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but um, no, the game came down to the fourth and one play. Uh, what was that play call? That's I mean, terrible. Peyton and Eli were selling it out perfectly on that broadcast. Yep. You give them, you run the ball, or you do a play action pass. What are they doing? Running, having Jared Goff have to make like an Aaron Rodgers like out route throw? Like just, I mean, we're talking about how like we can't really judge Matt Campbell on this team. I mean, I'm circling that play call and going, what the hell were you guys thinking? Can't agree I feel more. Like you know that 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 play was big. Um, you know, it was raining, it was wet. You know, Goff did fumble the ball a couple times. He did throw a bad pick. So it is one of the quarterbacks are going to make mistakes. I mean, even Aaron Rodgers had a terrible game in week one. But, like, while Goff is serviceable, you do see why Sean McVay and, you know, the Rams were perfectly fine moving on from him and getting Matt Stafford. Absolutely right. Well, Lions 0-2, it's, it's a long season, but I might be jumping on the tank bandwagon earlier than normal. See if you can get yourself in good position. But they got the Ravens coming up this week. You know, John Harbaugh, one of the best coaches in the league. Lamar Jackson's about to run for 300 yards on him. Boy, you got that right. When I was a kid, the one game that me and my brothers wanted to go to was Michael Vick. If I was a kid in today's 
and and that was the one game we went to. Atlanta Falcons versus Detroit Lions, like 2006 range. If I was a kid, I I would have circled this Baltimore Ravens game and Lamar Jackson because he's about to run wild, like <laughs> absolutely run wild on this defense, and it's going to be entertaining. I mean, it, it, it's everything we, we want. We want the Lions to lose, and it's going to be an entertaining game. Yeah, I think you're spot on with that. This game should be super exciting. I don't know if it's going to be exciting for the Lions, but like you said, you were talking about tanking, and I think I'm kind of with you. But the, the thing that's kind of weird is thinking about Dan Campbell, he doesn't seem like the type of coach that would be cool with tanking. Not at all. You know what I mean? So, no. like, it, yes, I agree with you. They should probably be, be playing for a, a high draft pick, but he doesn't seem like the type of guy that will be cool with – players, you know, kind of half-assing it a little bit and, and tanking. So I will be curious to see how they play the rest of the year. Yeah. Well, he and he shouldn't. I mean, there's no way he should be okay with it. I mean, he, I heard he got real testy at a question at a press conference about are these the same old Lions or something along those lines, and he about lost his head, which is good, Yeah. you know. Yep. So, so let's say lose all the games but play hard and com- compete. You okay with that? I'm okay with that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Also, I got just one other comment on the NFL, man. Sunday afternoon after that Lions game when I wake up from my nap, uh, Tampa Bay and the Rams. Oh, that's going to be a fun one. I don't know if it's going to be Romo or or if it's going to be on Fox, but uh, that'll be a fun game to watch. Tampa Bay right now looks like I don't know if anyone can beat them. Obviously, no idea how, how the rest of the season will go. They look like about as like flawless of an NFL team as you can get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Tom Brady now saying, yeah, he thinks he might play till he's fifty. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, I'm like twenty two years old, and I'm already starting to feel like the wear and tear of like being older. <laughs> How is he still rolling? It, it blows my mind. It's that TB twelve method, Jared. You better get on it. Stop, stop eating all those potato chips and McDonald's and all that stuff. Get on that TB twelve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah, I need to get on that myself, that's for sure. <laughs> well, anyway, it's a lot of good stuff, a lot of good football, and, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit more football with uh, Corona's athletic director, Jason Beldigat's Hall of Fame weekend coming up at CHS. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our area. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. Unique service representing unique lives, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. Founded in 1880 and continuing the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, find them at nelson-house.com or call 989-723-5234. Well, next up on the podcast, we have our good friend, the former King of Hearts himself, Jason Beldiga, the athletic director at Corona. And you have a big event starting on, I guess, Friday and continuing on the weekend. Uh, hi, Jason. And why don't you start with uh, Friday night, some of the activities at Nick and East Stadium. Well, thanks for that uh, kind introduction there, Ted. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we, Friday night's going to be, be a busy night at the Nick. Uh, besides our Hall of Fame, we actually have multiple events going. It's our Little Calves cheerleading night, which is always a big crowd, and it's also the night that we're going to have our military honor mm. to our to our veterans. So we're very excited about that, in addition to our Hall of Fame. And the Hall of Fame events really start at 5 o'clock. We've got a free community reception in the high school cafeteria. Uh, our friends, of our mutual friends of Rivals, uh, I know they're big, big supporters of what you guys do there with Three Point Podcast. They're going to be providing some appetizers and some food. And from 5 to 7, it's just a free community reception. Anybody can come in and 
mingle and, and catch up with the Hall of Famers that are there. And then at halftime of the football game, we'll recognize all those Hall of Famers that are in attendance. You know, we'll get into the, some of the specific Hall of Famers that are going to be inducted, but uh, just wanted to throw out there that, you know, when you guys came up with this idea to have an Athletic Hall of Fame, uh, you know, it was just a, a, just a thought. And you've had one class inducted, and now you're going into your second class, which has been delayed because of COVID last year. But uh, just give our listeners a little bit of a feel for really how much goes into it, how much work. It's it's an incredible amount of work, you know. I think one of one of my favorite things growing up, and I know a lot of people, a lot of alumni, they like to get together and enjoy a ginger ale and talk about who's the greatest of of all time at Corona. And certainly, I think there's a lot to be said about honoring your past. And I and and we try to do that as best we can. We try to put together events that are free for people um, to come and, and enjoy. And we also have some events that are more fundraiser type events um, for those people that would like to do that. So, you know, it's just one of those things that you want to get the details right. Um, some of these folks, it'll be the first time they've come back to the to the high school in several years. So just from even a, from a facility standpoint, you want everything to sparkle. Uh, and then you want to make sure that you're doing your due diligence and you're doing your best to honor them and all their all their accomplishments. Jason, I wanted to ask you real quick, I know we'll talk a little more about the Hall of Fame, but you're talking about getting the community together, and Ted mentioned how the second Hall of Fame class has been delayed because of COVID. You mentioned the, the honoring the military and the Little Cats cheerleaders, all these things that, you know, last year at this time we obviously weren't able to do. Kind of with, with all that stuff and then just seeing fans back in the bleachers at the Nick, how cool is it to kind of – be able to, as much as we have been able to, you know, COVID is still a thing, but kind of move forward and start doing these events again. Uh, it, it, I mean, it makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up. I mean, you guys as chronograts, you you remember what it's like when the Nick is rocking and people are excited and it's full and, and you look over and, and the fence line is, you know, <laughs> there's not a not a spot to be seen along the fence line. It's And, and all of us as chronograts, grads we carry those memories with us for decades so the more that we can provide our kids our current athletes with those experiences it just transcends really decades and it's something very special well let's get into the hall of fame a little bit here um as i mentioned to you in an email jason i'm hopefully you or your designated person can kind of help throughout the ball game because I know you're probably honoring the t- the different Hall of Famers at halftime, correct? Yeah, yep. But maybe during the game we're going to try something a little different and then that's bring them up to the press box so I can, during the game, you know, in between plays, ask a few questions, you know, just have some fun with them. I, I think it could really add to our broadcast. And, you know, we're talking about – the Corona Cavalier Hall of Fame, and you were, we're going to be at Nicanese Stadium on Friday night, and probably, if not his greatest team, one of his greatest teams for sure, the 76 football squad is going to be honored. Can you briefly talk about uh, that 1976 squad that went 9-0 and and missed out on the playoffs by just a fraction of some points? Otherwise, I think they would have taken home the hardware. Well, you know, you look, Tev, you look at that team, and you know the stats speak for themselves, as you said. They outscored their opponents like 279 to 56. They posted three shutouts. The coaching staff was a who's who of K 
Cavalier greats, but I think the thing that sticks to, out to me about that team is they are the epitome of a team. That is still a tight-knit group. George Ackerman and Kerry Cooper and all those all those guys, they're still very close. When we when we talked about a golf outing, they were the first, first in line to line up to get to get their teammates together and, and put together some foursomes for the golf outing. <laughs> it's just a to me, it's one of those groups that you look back and that's what you want teams to be like when they leave this high school and they go on and they have their their everyday lives they still remain remain a team and a pretty close-knit group of guys well you know they had the thunder and lightning backfield too with greg smith and uh, jared wanted to make sure he had to step out but he wanted to make sure we mentioned pete harness hopefully pete will make an appearance there on uh, friday and saturday huh Hopefully. <laughs> uh, also, uh, you're honoring the 97 boys cross-country team. They were state champions. Their head coach, Gordy Aldrich, just a special bunch of kids, you know, in, in a kind of an unsung sport that takes a whole lot of effort. And that was a group, too. When you look at what they, what they accomplished, they had three runners in the top ten at the state meet. That is unheard of. That, that just does not happen. They scored 74 points. Jackson, Lumen, Christie. Uh, was second place that day. They scored 161. And, and just the sheer depth of that team was pretty incredible. And it's one of the reasons why they're going into the Hall of Fame as one of the greatest teams we've ever had. Absolutely. Matt, do you want me to keep rolling? Do you want to jump in here at any time? Well, I was going to say, let, let's go through the, the rest of the inductees. But maybe I was, I was just going to ask again, maybe for our listeners or people who don't remember, didn't hear us talk about it before, and I'm trying to remember too, to be honest with you. What are some? What's some of the criteria? I'm trying to remember how many years you have to be removed from high yeah, school to so, be eligible, and then some of that stuff. So you need to be removed uh, five years from high school, and obviously you have to make uh, significant contributions to Cavalier Athletics. We do have categories. Um, we have an athlete category, uh, a coach category, a team category, and then uh, what we call a Cavalier contributor. Uh, somebody who may may not have been on the coaching staff, may not have been an athlete themselves, but but have helped in some way, shape, or form. We don't have numbers that we stick to as far as we want a certain amount of teams, we want a certain amount of individuals, or anything like that. So there, those are really our criteria. In terms of nominations, we accept nominations basically year-round. But right around Christmas time, on that Christmas holiday break, is when we'll start sending out the ballots for the next class. We have a selection committee that's always rotating. It's a collection of people of about 35 people that will get the ballot. They get bullet point information uh, on all the nominees, and then they make their selections. They rank their selections, and we go through. You know, our, we have a target of five people or five uh, teams, whatever it might be, in a given year. But really, we just look where's that clear delineation. At, and that's where we pick our number. Well, and you know, uh, Fowlerville has Charlie Geringer as their claim to fame for a major leaguer and Hall of Famer, and Crona has baseballer Brandon Eckerly, who I think you could pretty well say the best baseball player Corona's ever produced damn near became uh, a major leaguer and set records for Michigan State after he left Corona. Tell a little bit about Brandon Eckerly. Yeah, Brandon was a four-time all-conference baseball player, three-time all-region, two-time all-stater, once as a first-teamer and once as a second-teamer. Uh, he, you know, obviously he played in any sort of all-star game or dream team game that he could as a senior year because he was uh, well-deserving of that. He was an academic all-state kid for us. 
and he is uh, <laughs> it sounds a little cliche but he is he is probably the nicest person you'll ever meet and I think you know when I think of like going to a major league baseball game and those guys that would take the time to come over and sign an autograph and, and basically make our kids day or life in some cases I always thought that Brandon um, embodied that type of of sportsmanship and that that sort of idea of giving back to the game so uh, he is well well worthy of going into our Hall of Fame. Yeah, absolutely. Another worthy inductee, Vonda Meter Evans. I mean, she was a fantastic uh, runner in track, 1990 graduate, holds all kinds of records at CHS. Yeah, Vonda, you know, as as you alluded to there, we've got a strong history of track here at, at Corona, and Vonda, I think, has set the standard for really not only just female runners, but all runners in general. Uh, she was a two-time state champion, in the 800 meter, and she currently holds the uh, school record in the 400 meter and the 800 meter, and was on the school record four by four team. You know, I I remember having many long conversations coaching along John Wilcox, and him just talking about where I mean she could run the hundred and she could run the 3200 and everything in between, and those are special type of kids that don't come across don't come along uh, very often. Well, you got that right. For my money. Uh, and I've been around a long time. Uh, the best athlete I think I've ever seen at Corona was Phil Zielinski. He's an honoree. He's already in the Hall of Fame as a member of the 1983 state champs. But, I mean, he was a standout football player, went up to CMU and made all-league recognition up there. He actually had a tryout, I think, with the Packers. Uh, just a tremendous athlete, Phil Zielinski. Yeah, and Phil, you know, you hit the nail on the head there. Phil's one of those guys, and I think it, it reminds me a little bit of Brad Van Pelt and the mm-hmm. stories uh, that I've heard about Brad from uh, Buck Heine and, and Steve Herrick and those guys that knew Brad well. Phil is one of those guys that I think he would be good at anything that he did, <laughs> did in high school. He could have been an all-state tennis player. He could have been an all-state golfer. He could have, I mean, well, I don't know about his golf game. I haven't seen him golf in a while. But <laughs> he, he was just a standout in everything that he did. He was a three-year varsity basketball player. He led the area in scoring twice. As you said, he was a member and a key contributor of that of that 1983 state championship team. I, I don't think you can have conversations about the greatest Cavaliers of all time and not include Phil. Amen. We're talking with Jason Beldiga, the athletic director at Corona, and uh, a few more to go through here. Uh, you know, his coach, Phil Zielinski's coach in basketball, Frank Davis, uh, virtually turned around a dormant program. I mean, it was in the dumps, you know, and that's not to take anything away from the athletes that were in that era, but Corona was 100% football school, and Frank came in, changed the mentality. First couple years, you know, he had to clean house a little bit, but, uh, you know, he built a program, and it was capped off with that 83 team, and that wasn't his only successful team. I mean, he had, uh, I think, quite a few district champions and also regional champions. He also had success coaching the girls. Yeah, and, and you know, I've, I've heard a lot of stories uh, about Frank. Frank passed away. Uh, when I was in middle school, but obviously I've I've talked a lot to your brother John about Frank, and you know one thing that just stands out to me is as we're going through this and we're and we're preparing for the Hall of Fame. Obviously Frank is no longer with us, and, and we called and um, we're trying to get somebody to represent him at halftime, and we called two of his, his near and dear friends, Gary Schooley and and Leo Constein. And to hear their voice crack on the phone mm. about Frank just speaks to me, speaks volumes, regardless of any record or any state title or anything like that. I would hope that all of our coaches, and, and I know myself, 
if I could have an impact on a community like that, I'm doing the right thing. Absolutely. Now, Matt, I know you're friends with this next inductee's uh, sons, Dave Robertson. Why don't you uh, ask the question of Jason here? Well, yeah, I mean, that, that kind of tees it up. I think everything that you're describing about Frank Davis, I feel like, um, and, and a lot of the other inductees too, at least for, for my generation, Dave Robertson's right there, and he turned Corona's wrestling program into one of the best in the state, not just in our area. So I think he's, he's well-deserving. And, um, yeah, he, I grew up right around the corner from him. So Kyle and I are, are really good friends. So really cool to see Dave go in. Yeah, when you talk about Dave, you know, I'm looking at, at the statistics right here in front of me. And 17 league titles in a row, 24 league titles, averaged four individual state qualifiers per season during his coaching tenure. Uh, you know, he's one of the top in all time for the state. Uh, state of Michigan, 636 career wins. Uh, he coached 139 state qualifiers. I mean, some of these numbers, it's almost, I, I found myself in some cases going back and going, Is, could that really happen? I mean, could, <laughs> and he was a longtime tennis coach, and obviously uh, he was a fantastic math teacher here at, at CHS as well. But if you look through his record, it is, I mean, you, Dave Robertson, I think, is one of those that you could put up as, I mean, obviously he's in the Michigan Wrestling Association Hall of Fame as well. He was the Michigan Wrestling Coach of the Year in 2009 and 2010. But I think he's somebody that you could put up almost as one of the state's, not only Cronas, but one of the state's best coaches of all time. Yeah, I mean, he's in the Michigan, the state of Michigan Wrestling Hall of Fame, and uh, his overall record, 636, 134, and 5. And I think, you know, we're talking about different coaches. I mean, we've thrown out the name Nick Anise, Frank Davis, Dave Robertson. Well, there's three of your Mount Rushmore coaches at Crown, I think, right there. Yeah. So it's going to be a great event. I think I covered everybody, didn't I, Jason? I'm not missing anybody, am I? Yep, I think you got them all. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. One more time before we let you go, tell uh, tell our listeners, especially Corona Cavalier fans, what to do on Friday and Saturday, just what's going on. And, by the way, they can hear the game Friday night right here at Z92.5 The Castle. Friday at 5 o'clock, come over to the high school, right in the cafeteria. We'll have an open reception. It's free to the public, and we'll have some appetizers and some uh, some goodies there from Rivals uh, Tap House and Grill. That goes from 5 to 7. And then go over and watch the football game. We'll have uh, recognition of those honorees and inductees at halftime. And obviously, as you alluded to, if you can't make it to the game, uh, please tune in and listen to the game. And then on Saturday morning, we have a Hall of Fame golf outing. The window to participate in that is closing pretty quickly, uh, but we're st- we still have a couple slots open, so if anyone's interested, uh, they could contact the CHS main office. And then Saturday night, we're going to have our induction dinner. We're going to have it at the high school. We're really excited to welcome the second class of honorees. And by the way, uh, is it going to be on the NFHS uh, video feed as well? Yes, yep. All right, I'm going to bring my microphone. We'll see if we can patch through and get some actual play-by-play on there. How's that would that be awesome. That would be fantastic. <laughs> All right, Jason, again, great work over there at CHS. We appreciate the time and look forward to seeing you on uh, Friday night. Thanks, guys, and thanks, uh, thanks for everything that you guys do as well. 
All right, everybody, that's a wrap. Make sure you follow us at Three Point Pod. Also let our partners know you listen in. They include Advanced Elevator, the ALS Association, JJ's Excavating and Tree Service, Kendall Drugs in Corona, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5 The Castle. I want to thank Jason Beldiga for joining us, talking about the Corona Hall of Fame. And speaking of that, I'll be live on Z92.5 Friday, September 24th for the Castle Game of the Week. The Goodrich Martians at Corona to take on the Cavaliers at the Nick. For Jared Fattel and Matt Burns, I'm Ted Fattel saying, until next week, so long, everybody, and have a great week. Hey, gang, please consider a donation to the ALS Association Michigan chapter, serving people with ALS and their families since 1988. There still is no cure for Lou Gehrig's disease, and every 90 minutes, someone is diagnosed with ALS. For more details, go online at webmi.alsa.org. Point Podcast is syndicated worldwide on Sports Radio Detroit and MWSN Radio. The show is a Sportsnet Michigan production recorded at the WJSZ Mid-Michigan Studios. Spread the word to your friends and family and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of the other big podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at 3PointPod or by email to 3PointPod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, bye for now.